Hello, and welcome to another episode of Good News from Good Sam. I am Natalie, and joining me today is... Me. Yes. (laughs) And I am Tommy. (laughs) Sorry, I didn't cue you up very well for that. So, um, my voice may sound familiar. You've heard me on a couple of times with Pastor Scott, Natalie Butler. I am the Youth Director and Connections Coordinator here. But Tommy is our Communications and Media Coordinator. And so, I am super excited to have her on the podcast today. We are going to be talking about the message from Father's Day weekend that I gave during the services on the prodigal son. So, um, Tommy is here to ask some questions, maybe from more of a, like, layperson perspective. Is that fair? Yeah. Um, and so, we are super excited to share this with you, and I am going to turn it over to Tommy. Yeah, so, thank you, Natalie. Absolutely. Um, well, <laughs> Natalie gave an amazing message on Sunday about the prodigal son, or the lost son, a pretty um, popular parable, I'd mm-hmm. say. I think a lot of us, I mean, even general people use the prodigal son right. as like a, you know, a reference. So almost pop culturally re- yeah. relevant. I never thought of that. That's a good point. Cause yeah, there's people who maybe aren't churched per se that still understand the reference of the prodigal. Interesting. Yes. Yeah. So what I really appreciated though about your message is kind of how I think typically when we hear the prodigal son or the lost son, I mean, we were pretty hyper-focused on Mm -hmm. the lost son, the younger son. Um, But there's actually two sons in the parable, and you kind of highlighted that older son, um, the older brother. um, And I wanted to ask you, because when you started your message, you kind of referenced Luke 1. And I think the parable is actually from Luke 15. But you Mm -hmm. referenced Luke 1, and you said, you know, the tax collectors had gathered around, and the Pharisees were complaining. And that the Pharisees complaining is kind of what prompted Jesus to use the story. Right. So do you think that because of his audience, he was actually intending the story to highlight that older brother? Yeah, I do. I do. I think a lot of times we use this story or we feel like we relate to this story because we feel like we've gotten lost or um, maybe we're trying to use it to speak into somebody's life that we feel has kind of wandered to just tell them like, no, God still loves you. Um, you know, he's always welcoming you back home. But yeah, if you if you look at the entire chapter, so Luke 15 starts with, like you said, the, the tax collectors. In fact, I believe my version, I use NLT, uh, the New Living Translation, and it says notorious sinners mm. had gathered with Jesus to listen to him. And yeah, the Pharisees were upset. They were um, angry that Jesus was associating with people that they considered unclean um, or unworthy of hanging out with a rabbi. And so um, Jesus then goes on to tell three stories. This is actually the third story. The first one is the lost sheep, which I think a lot of people are also familiar with. The second is the lost coin, and then it's the prodigal son. And I think that's why we usually start with just the story. We don't talk about why he was telling it, because there's the two other ones before it. But when you look at that, I think Jesus was trying to tell the Pharisees, like, yeah, these people have messed up. They've done some bad things, but like their lives are being changed and you're missing that. And we see that with the older son, you know, when, when the younger brother comes home, instead of celebrating that he's safe and, and back, he's angry that he didn't get a party and that he wasn't recognized for like doing all of the good things. And I think Jesus was trying to point out like, don't, don't be so hyper-focused 
on you and what you get because essentially, I mean, if we're really going to dig into it, we're talking about eternity here. Like the inheritance that we get is eternity from God. And the Pharisees are going to get that regardless, but they need to also recognize that like, hey, these people can get it too. And that's really exciting. They should be celebrating that, not angry that they aren't being praised for all of their like, quote, good deeds. Yeah, no, totally. I think even um, when you highlighted the older brother, it really shows that like his self-righteousness mm-hmm. keeps him from seeing kind of what he has. Yes. You know, I mean, kind of jumping around here at the end of the parable, you know, the lost son returns and the father's so excited. And that older brother is like so angry. Yeah. He's, you know, <laughs> he's outside and he's like throwing his fit and he's resentful. And the father like comes to him, hey, don't you see that all of this is yours too? Yeah. You know, just because yeah. he's getting it doesn't mean you're not. Right. Right. I I think I I I think I've told you before, like this story has really been a journey for me. And for a while I saw the older son as like the good Christian. Um being upset that like other people got the grace of God too. Um and yeah, I think he was so caught up in being jealous of not being uh, celebrated in this huge way. But at the same time, if you look at his story, like he never had to suffer. He never had to starve. His father was taking care of him the whole time while the younger brother had wandered off and like suffered terribly. He was feeding pigs and wanted what the pigs were eating because he was so hungry. And I think we forget sometimes that you know, when people have this huge life change moment and testimony, if you've been in the church for a long time, it may kind of seem like, well, why don't I get that? But I think we have a beautiful story too, and that God has always shown up for us. We don't need that one moment of big celebration because we haven't necessarily hit rock bottom like other people have. Um, and so, yeah, I think he was way too caught up in like, well, why don't I get a, a big party when, like you said, the father told him all of all, everything I have is yours. Like he, he was good from the start. So, I mean, just listening to you say that, it makes me think, do you think it's just that we, you know, the ones of the people that relate to maybe the older brother? Yeah who are feel it, feeling like they are checking all the boxes mm-hmm. and doing all of the right things. Mm-hmm. And do you think that when we are in those moments of seeing someone else maybe get that recognition, that we sort of feel like, well, am I getting recognized for mm-hmm. what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, um, you know, I think it even happens in that parable because he is outside and he's kind of like, stewing there but the the father comes to him mm-hmm. yeah and is like hey you know I'm still here right. for you too right and it's almost like um you know in in those moments that we're experiencing kind of maybe what the the older brother experienced I mean do you think that God is kind of coming to us and maybe we don't realize it yes. or we're missing it or yes and there was actually something that you said that that triggered like a new thought that I hadn't thought of in a previous conversation of ours, but when you talk about checking the boxes, I think that is a huge part of the problem because what we're seeing, when we say recognition, we're referring to the story because he got a party and got recognition for coming home. 
obviously we're not looking for recognition from God, I don't think. Right. But we're looking, I think what we're jealous of is that incredible like life change. We can see God totally working in their life. And I think sometimes, you know, yeah, if you're going to church every week and you're, you know, doing your devotions or whatever, like you kind of wonder where that is for you. But I think Mm. it's a total mindset thing. If you are doing those things just to say you did them and just to check those boxes off, it's not going to happen. One of the things I said on Sunday is like, you know, when we, when we do all the things, when we go to church and we give our tithes and we read our devotions, it's not to help God love us more. It's to help us love him more. And so when we shift our mindset from that being a have to in order to earn God's love and it becomes a get to in order to love him more. I think that's where that joy and that life change starts to come into play. And so that's what we're missing out on when we're focused on just doing the good things because that's what we're supposed to be doing. We miss out on that completely. And I think that's where the older son was. He was doing what he was supposed to do just because he felt obligated to do it as the son. Whereas if he was doing it because he loved his father, I think that would have changed his mindset when his brother came home too. Mm -hmm. I think um, when you said that on Sunday about kind of that, what you just kind of talked about, you know, doing those things to have God love us more, but it's actually for us to Mm -hmm. love him more. I mean, I had goosebumps. I was just like, (laughs) wow. I I mean, I just really loved that, that perspective. And I think, I mean, I wouldn't say that I feel like me personally, I just go through the motions and check the boxes, Mm -hmm. but I think there is a difference um, in people that kind of have grown up in the church and have a grown up doing these things because Mm -hmm. that's kind of what you did, you know? And I think there is a shift that happens but maybe it doesn't feel as celestial yes. as some of these others. And I think I've experienced that sometimes, you know, hearing testimonies mm-hmm. of other people and I'm like, oh, am I doing something wrong? Because yeah. it didn't happen like yeah. that for me, Yeah, you know? And I think for some of us, it is just like a gradual shift over the, you know, not mandatory, but the, you know, just regularity of it to like, oh no, I'm seeking this yes. as well. Yes. And so I really liked that. I actually remember sitting, I... Distinctly, I remember sitting in a Starbucks with a friend of mine probably 10 years ago and almost complaining that my life wasn't hard because (laughs) I felt like I didn't have a testimony. (laughs) And it wasn't until years later that I realized like, no, no, the, the blessings that God has put in my life are still a testimony. Like you don't have to hit rock bottom and have this incredible like you know, come to Jesus moment like the younger son did, it it can just be a gradual over time. Like God has always been in my life and looking back, seeing that, that is a testimony just as much as, you know, hitting rock bottom and being pulled out of that mess is too. So I feel like you're kind of saying the testimony is actually in the perspective. Oh, I think so. For sure. For so sure. Whatever your perspective is of your kind of situation or your life, you know, events is kind of what determines the Definitely. Yeah. Your testimony is just how God is working in your life. And so if you see, I mean, if you see your successes as things that you've earned on your own, 
then obviously it's not going to feel like a testimony. But if you see those things rightfully so as the blessings that have been bestowed on you as a result of, you know, of course we have to meet God halfway. I think, you know, you still have to work hard. You can't just like sit back and let him do everything. Um, but when you start to see those things as blessings from God, yeah, that's, I think that's when your testimony starts to come together and you start to realize what that means in your life. I love it. I love it. So we can't talk about the parable without talking about the lost son. Of course. Of course. So um, (laughs) I wanted to actually bring up, because when I went back and read through Luke 15 after Sunday, you know, it mentions in there twice how that younger son, um, the lost son, kind of repents. You know, I mean, he's out there with the pigs and he's feeling some kind of way and he does kind of confess that he's messed up. Yeah. Just maybe to himself, right? Yeah. And then upon returning home, you know, before he even gets a chance to do it a second time, he's already greeted with open arms. Right. But then he still does it a second time. So I just wanted to see what your perspective was on maybe the importance of repentance just in that parable itself. Absolutely. It's huge. And I really appreciate that we can see that in this parable because I, I truly believe that God forgives us when we just come to him. Um, just kind of, you know, lay down whatever it is in front of him and say, you know what, I'm, I'm sorry. And, and ask for forgiveness. And, and I think he totally knows that we're going to mess up again. Like it's very rare that someone will, you know, stop sinning cold turkey. In fact, we can't stop sinning completely anyway. Um, but maybe stopping a particular sin cold turkey can still be really difficult. And so I think he knows we're going to go back sometimes and we're going to have missteps. But repentance is so important because that is where the change happens and where he works. Um, if we ask for forgiveness, you know, if you get up every morning and ask for forgiveness and then do exactly the same thing, like your life is not going to be any different. And repentance literally means to, to repent literally means to turn away. Um, so you ask for forgiveness and then you repent and you turn away from whatever it is that's separating you from God. And that's how I personally define sin is whatever is separating you from God. Um, you know, we tend to think of the big 10, um, you know, don't take my name in vain, have no other gods before me, et cetera, et cetera. But I mean, for me personally, like social media can become sinful if I allow it to take up all of my free time and I'm not spending any time, you know, in devotion or, you know, I tell myself I, I have no time to read my Bible, but then I spend hours scrolling through Instagram. Like for me, that becomes sinful. So whatever that looks like. Um, but when we ask for forgiveness, we get it freely, but then we also need to let go of those things and to turn away from those things. And in those moments, I think that's when God starts to change our life. That's when things start to look different. Whereas if we don't repent and we're just asking for forgiveness, again, I believe we get it, but nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to change. Right, right. And I think I want to go back to you because you did kind of touch on it there and where you said, you know, you're, you're not typically able to just turn away cold turkey and so there is still you know and I just want I guess maybe that comfort for myself knowing that there is grace in the fact (laughs) that oh for sure hey I'm probably gonna mess up again yeah (laughs) but it doesn't mean that I'm not trying and that we're still not forgiven and loved right um a beautiful 
picture of that, I guess. We had um, Jen and Nathan were volunteers in youth ministry several years ago. They were some small group leaders. And Nathan was talking about this. They had two younger kids, and he was talking about his son. And he's like, you know, when he was learning to walk, when he would fall down, I wouldn't get angry. He's like, I wouldn't yell at him and berate him and tell him how terrible he was and, you know, how bad he was. I would just help him back up and tell him to try again. And I loved how he used that as a picture of how God is with us. You know, what? yeah, when we mess up, he's not up there throwing lightning bolts and being angry at you. He's just, I, I almost picture it like a whisper, like, come on, get back up, get go finish, go, go do it. You, you've got this. You know, I, I see him being very encouraging and very gracious with us because yeah, we do. We're going to fall all the time. And, um, I, I just loved that, that picture of that. Well, I think concrete examples of like real life situations like that, that can relate to, you know, um, (laughs) kind of God and how he works just really help it to click for yeah. some of us, yeah. you know, probably majority of yes. us, because some of it can just feel so abstract. Oh, of course. But when and you that's think about exactly that. why he used parables. Yeah. Like Jesus used stories for that exact reason to take things that they were familiar with to say, Hey, here's this really complicated abstract thing. Let me help you understand it with this perspective. And so, yes, <laughs> thank goodness for them because yes. they, do, they, they do help. Um, I also wanted to see what you thought about, you know, how the younger son humbled himself. I mean, mm-hmm. he really had to come and be like, yeah, yeah, I really sucked. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that, I think that might be the hardest part for people. Um, you know, whether we think we have it all together or we, we really know that we don't have it all together. I think it's that humbling and coming before God and saying, okay, I, I don't have this, like letting go of that control, letting go of that thing. Cause I, I also think sin, I almost feel like we cling onto our sin. We talk about sin as something that like takes over us, but I almost feel like we, we can hold onto it too sometimes just out of a need for control. Um, and so to, to be able to loosen our grip and let go and just come to God and apologize. You know, it's hard enough to apologize to people, but but to admit that we need to apologize to God and and did something wrong can be humbling um, and very difficult. But we do see that with him, especially in his apology. I mean, he says, I'm not worthy to be your son, basically. He's like, he, he doesn't come back expecting his place in the household. He comes back expecting to be a laborer, essentially, to, to work for his father, not as his son, but just as an employee. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet the father says, no, no, you're, you're still my son. You still get to be a part of this family. Um, and so, yeah, like I said, even when we're feeling unworthy, like that's not how God feels about us. Well, it's almost like, you know, the humbling of ourselves is the important step for us to also forgive ourselves because oh. I think when you said you know we kind of cling on to our sin mm-hmm. I think it's almost because we just are not ready to forgive ourselves yes oh absolutely. you know but it's almost like if we can kind of hit that point of being a little humble about mm-hmm. it it just kind of helps 
like kind of loosen that grip that yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I almost wonder if like the parable continued, if we would kind of see the older brother, you know, humble himself yes. and kind of what that would yes. look like. Actually, so that that perspective came from a lesson series that we had done in youth group a few months ago, um, which again, totally changed my perspective of this story. And one of the things that we said was, I think Jesus purposefully didn't finish it because it was like an invitation. Like, okay, what are you going to do now? Mm. Here's what you look like. What are you going to do about it? Are you going to continue to be angry and, you know, stay outside? Or are you going to humble yourself and join in the celebration of these other people? See, I love that because I actually was thinking about it after too. Like, you know, if we are kind of relating to that older brother and we have a slight sense of Mm self-righteousness and and not to say that we're sitting there like out loud thinking, man, I'm so much better than them, them, but just a little bit of that, like Mm -hmm. that you can relate to some of that self-righteousness. I mean, are we unintentionally alienating others from a relationship with God because you know, because of our own self-righteousness, mm-hmm. it almost gives the perspective of like, oof, if that's what Christians are like, yeah. I don't want to be a yeah. part of it. I, I, I definitely think so. Yes. Um, in fact, uh, oh gosh, it was a study. I wish I had it for reference, but, um, I want to say it was Gen Z, which is, um, basically like college freshmen to probably middle school right now mm-hmm. is the Gen Z. And they had done a study and, and one of the most popular words chosen to describe Christians was hypocrites mm. or judgmental, mm-hmm. um, which I think is horribly sad because if anyone should understand like how sinful <laughs> we can be and how good God is for having grace, like it should be Christians and we should be showing that. But I, I do, I think we can unintentionally feel better than someone else. I know I found myself there in high school. Um, I went to church several times a week. I made good decisions. I was doing well in school. And like, I had friends who were making some not so great decisions. And not that I would condemn them, but I definitely felt a sense of like pride and self-righteousness over you know, oh, you know, God still loves them for making that decision, but like, I'm not going to because I'm better than that. And I, I feel like even if, like you said, we're not intentionally like looking at somebody and being like, I'm better than you. There is an, a subconscious like air about some, like we all know someone <laughs> who feels that way, whether it's about, you know, a Christian walk or even just in their life in general, they just feel better than other people. And even if they're not saying it with their words, they're saying it with their actions. Mm. And I, I absolutely believe that Christians make that mistake a lot because if, if we didn't, people wouldn't feel that way. Right. People wouldn't accuse us of being hypocrites and they wouldn't accuse us of being judgmental if we weren't. Right. Um, so like you said, even if we're not saying it, we need to be very careful with how we internalize some of those thoughts because they are being expressed 
somehow. Right. Yeah. No, totally. You know, and I, I guess the last part of the parable that I was thinking about afterwards is, is the father. Mm-hmm. You know, I, and I know that when you started the message on Sunday, you talked about how, you know, the older son is kind of representing the Pharisees and mm-hmm. the, the younger son is, is re- representing a sinner mm-hmm. and how father, uh, the father is representing God. And I just wonder, you know, can we identify with the father in that story? Mm-hmm. And not in the sense of we identify with being God, but more so... We have a wayward friend or mm-hmm. family member, mm-hmm. someone who has been struggling, mm-hmm. and we can be the father in that story of like, hey, arms wide open yeah. when you return. Yeah. And not to say, I mean, the father in the story didn't go out, you know, losing everything he had to 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 rescue him. Right. Yes. He he was he just was there waiting for yes. his return, and I I guess kind of wanted what you thought about that. Yeah. I I love how you pointed that out because you're right he he didn't go out looking for him he he wasn't searching for him and and you know just killing himself trying trying to fix everything but when the son came home he was waiting and he did welcome him back and I try to be very careful in youth group when we talk about these kinds of things and I remind them like you know just because we're called to be kind and gracious and forgiving doesn't mean we're called to be doormats it doesn't mean we're we're called to let people walk all over us but we have received so much grace from God and and from the people around us that it we are called to extend that as well um and I love that perspective of kind of playing that role and even like even kind of playing that role in order to open that door to them experiencing that with God as well. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think as far as that, like, just be, what did Jesus say? Like, you should forgive your brother like 70 times seven times. And he wasn't actually telling us to do the math and only forgive them, you know, whatever that is. Um, but what he was saying was, yes, you forgive over and over because you have been forgiven over and over. And again, that that doesn't mean that you need to open yourself up to abuse or, um, you know, you, you don't need to open yourself up to being hurt in that process. But offering that forgiveness and that grace, that is something that we are supposed to do. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, I could relate with being the older brother at mm-hmm. times in my life. And I do have, you know family that has you know kind of experienced a rough road and Mm -hmm. and are a little lost um and I think that there have been times in my life where I'm probably identifying more with the older brother Mm -hmm. and then other times where I'm identifying more with the father and I think you know after hearing your message on Sunday it was a good reminder to be like um checking my heart and just making sure that um I'm more consistently identifying with the father in that parable versus the older brother. Yeah. You know, I mean, as far as it relates to my life. Right. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because that was not a perspective that I had had before. So I think that's beautiful. Yes. Thank you. Well, thank you for giving an amazing message. I mean, the whole message was beautiful. Thank you. It's been years in the making. Like I have had such a journey with this story. Um, And so I was really excited when you know, this, this was the series. And I was at, at first I had picked a different parable because I was like, Oh, I've already talked on this one. And then I was like, no, there's still so much more to say. Like I have to share this. So I was very excited to have that opportunity. 
Well, and it's interesting because it kind of gives a perspective of the person giving the message. I mean, yeah. maybe more times than not, the message that we're hearing is not just for us, but also for the person delivering oh, it. Oh, absolutely. Yes. That's kind of cool <laughs> to think about, you yeah. know? I mean, because we're all still learning, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, for sure. I, yeah, I have not finished and learned everything. <laughs> I am constantly learning new things. Like I said, even with this particular story, that some of that perspective of the older brother and the Pharisees, that was just a few months ago that I had, my eyes were kind of opened to that. And so I think, um, you know, even if you've read the Bible all the way through, like every time you read it because of your life circumstance or your context that you're coming at it, like it's always, I think we can always learn something new. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, should we end with a prayer? I mean, yeah, do you guys typically yeah. end with prayer on the podcast? Yeah, we do awesome. actually. So I would love to close us in prayer. Uh, obviously, if you're driving, don't feel obligated to close your eyes. But um, thank you for listening today, and uh, we hope to see you, or we hope that you listen again soon. Yeah, join me in a word of prayer, Father. Thank you so much for the chance to be together today. Um, I thank you for those listening to this podcast. I hope um, what we've talked about today can speak into their lives and and start to work in their heart. Um, continue to work in us and through us all. In your name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Bye. Bye.